and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenters at Conversations. We are talking about intimacy and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's time for us to talk about SEX, but uh, this SEX is not only the one that you are thinking about. I mean, being intimate just generally is one thing that, uh, uh, you know, partners do. But when it has to come with being sacrificial, then we're talking a different story. Only one quarter of women reliably experience orgasms during intercourse. So, yeah, that's a bit of a sacrifice for most women when they go into coitus. And no matter how long it lasts, no matter what size the man's penis is, and no matter how the woman feels about the man or the relationship. And according to 33 comprehensive studies, only half of women sometimes have orgasms during intercourse. And about 20% seldom have orgasms during intercourse. And about 5% never, ever have orgasms. Period. Pellalap. Do. No orgasm, but you are engaging in sex. And in other words, we are saying that intercourse is not only the key to most women's sexual satisfaction. Whilst intercourse is central, you know, to reproductive sex and intercourse is not the essence of lovemaking, we need to ask the question, what makes many lovers feel deeply connected between the sheets? Because it's not the orgasm, clearly. That's why we have Dr. Miriam Khan, who's a medical doctor and a sexual health specialist, uh, joining us. I've missed you, Dr. Khan. Good evening. Hey, Patricia. How are you doing? Good evening. Uh, I'm, I'm strong. Uh, Dr. Khan, you and KZN, how are you doing? Things on the ground are not really easy. The last time we spoke, we were just grappling with COVID-19. Really, really difficult and heartbreaking to see, Patricia. Um, yeah. I really I don't have many words. I just looked at um, an article online that spoke about 30-plus schools in KZN that have been vandalized, and I think I, I can't take any more. Yeah, yeah, it is a, a tough time for all of us. And uh, on the other hand, here we are talking about something that is quite difficult for many relationships, and that is intimacy and, you know, satisfaction um, and and being, you know, sacrificial towards each other as partners. And this is very important in most relationships because other people end up losing a person that they love, a partner that they've been with for a long time because intimacy is lacking, satisfaction is lacking, and the other partner just doesn't want to sacrifice or learn the love language of the other. So, you know, Patricia, we've been saying this over, you know, for as long as I've been on, on the show that the new dialogue is that the orgasm is not the goal, right? And we keep saying we're focusing on pleasure, and pleasure is your right. But at the end of the day, we have been conditioned to think about the orgasm. And it, it seems and it appears that it's goal-driven. And people want, you know, they, they're seeking that orgasm, and they're chasing the orgasm. But it's not guaranteed for a lot of women and especially we're speaking about, when you speak about the stats, we're talking about cisgendered heterosexual women. So when we say cisgendered, we're saying women who have been born with parts that I, that you know that we identify as women body parts or female body parts. So um, babies born with a vulva, a vagina, and grow up to be and identify themselves as women. And then they're also heterosexual. So then they feel sexual attraction for men. So when these studies, these studies that you've just been talking about, when we speak about, you know, the number of women who can or cannot reliably 
have an orgasm through intercourse, we're generally speaking about cisgendered heterosexual women. And I think it's important to make that clarification because studies have shown and research has shown that homosexual women, for example, um, have a higher chance of reaching an orgasm than heterosexual women. And it all comes down to the sexual play, exactly what's involved, intimacy, and you've been alluding to that as well, and the safety in the relationship. So we'll speak about these as we go along. Well, uh, before we go along, I'd like us to go to a voice note. Uh, Atima is uh, helping us out here. Well, it's, it's not right now. We'll go to it a bit later on. But this message says, uh, Hey there, Atima. Mina, I just need emotional counseling. Um, I'm stuck alone here. I can't move. And there's no petrol around to get essential. Everything is a mess and just so depressed. For an Atima like this, if they are in a relationship and they are saying, I need emotional counseling, or I need emotional interaction with someone. How do they get to a point where they can articulate this to their partner, who's perhaps not a person who's intimate, a person who um, is emotionally attuned to their uh, feelings? Because this can taint a relationship, especially with what we are facing right now. Absolutely. And, you know, in the sexual context, men have a general, you know, they have this knack of being able to compartmentalize. So the world can be up in flames around them and they'd still be able to have an orgasm or an erection and an orgasm. But women, it's kind of different and it has a lot to do with how we've been socialized. So, you know, you'll tend to feel guilty for having sexual feelings when something is going, you know, on like there's a riot outside. Um, when it comes to relationships, you know, we, we've always said and maintained that communication is key. So you start there, and you obviously look for a moment when that person is not going to be triggered by anything or upset, where you can actually have the conversation. And I think a difficult decision for a lot of us to make is when to call it quits in a relationship. You know, when the relationship is not working for us, especially emotionally, psychologically, and we have to ask ourselves, is this relationship good for us, for our self-growth and development? You know, how is it, you know, is it bringing value to our lives? And it's important to ask that question because if a relationship, if, if your partner does not want to work and put that much effort into the relationship that you do or would like to, then you really have to bring yourself, you know, have the courage to ask that question. You can't be the only person giving yourself in the relationship. So a partner like that, I'd say, you know, it depends on many factors. It depends on the length of the relationship, the duration of the relationship, the strength of the relationship, the dynamics in the relationship regarding in terms of is it a marriage or is it a casual relationship? Is it um, not a marriage but a strong relationship that you committed to each other? Is it a monogamous relationship, an open marriage or an open relationship? So what are the dynamics there? And, and I think that's how, that's how that person would take it forward. Atima, I hope that will help you. And uh, for the counselling, I'm sure if you reach out to um, your local clinic, if it is Absolutely. operating or, op or open, or you go and find uh, the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, they've also got uh, free counselling there telephonically. So please do get some help. But um, I think it is very vital that you assess the relationships that you are in, whether intimate or not. Dr. Khan. 
with what we are discussing now, I'm going to ask you a question that is really, 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 for others it might sound really silly. There are no silly questions, Patricia. We know <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, if if statistics are saying that 20 to 25 women are not getting an orgasm, and uh, only 20 to 25 yeah, are, getting, are an getting an orgasm, yeah, and right. and and five percent of women never have an orgasm. So what is actually happening there? You know, because we're faking it. Are we faking it? That's what I want to ask. Are we faking it? Are most of us faking it? Most of us. Most of people, women are faking it. I'm never faking it, Patricia. Let's not, let's not put myself in there. I'm not part of the us. I think that it doesn't do you any service. It doesn't, you know, help you at all. It does you a disservice to fake it. And again, this comes down to relationship dynamics. It comes down to, you know, also your relationship with yourself. And I think this is so important, your relationship with yourself before the relationship with your partner. So, you know, um, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about sex and intimacy. So if you're confident about yourself, confident with your body, and it doesn't have to be, you know, this picture perfect, that body that the media throws at us. You've got to be comfortable in your skin, no matter how that is compared to the next person. So if you have negative body image, that's going to be difficult. Um, So again, it comes down also to education. What do you know about your body? What do you know about orgasm? What do you know about sex? How you've been conditioned? Societal and cultural beliefs and pressure. So all of these things, all of these factors, you know, have some part to play in how we express ourselves in in an intimate moment. So I do believe that a lot of women are faking it. And we must take into consideration that several studies have indicated this. So it's not just one small cluster of women, several women across the globe, several studies. So you look at, you know, all of these factors, the idea of shame, uh, the idea that, you know, uh, good girls don't behave a certain way, good women don't behave a certain way, and also being embarrassed to express yourself, being embarrassed to say what exactly works for you, and what doesn't work for you. And I think in South Africa and in other countries where there is this gender dynamics in relationships where you know men have a dominant role and, and women are subservient to those men in those relationships, there may be fear to actually articulate your non or dissatisfaction in your sexual relationship. So there may be fear of how the man may react whether it's a physical reaction, whether he will emotionally withdraw, um, you know, and there may be fear that it will affect his idea of his masculinity. So as a result, women may decide that it's better to fake it. And then they may just sit there hoping that someday the person will get it right. Living in hope. Atima, are you that lady? Have you been living in hope and now you want to know how to get out of that uh, false hope, you know, and get into the action and uh, the satisfaction? Call in and let us know. Or maybe you're a guy and you've been suspecting that your partner has been faking it. You want to know how to address it. Let us know as well. 011 or 0614. 
104107. I'd love to hear from you, A-teamers. Call in. We're talking intimacy and satisfaction in a relationship. Bearing in mind that there is a 5% of women who don't reach orgasm. So clearly, it's not just about that in a relationship. And those who are lucky, the 20 to 25%, they, they get orgasms. And some even get orgasms multiple of times uh, during penetrative sex. That's what we're talking about. And if you that like a girl, oh, hit me up on an SMS as well on 41391. Dr. Khan, so, you know, as you opened up, you said there are many elements into intimacy and satisfaction. And I don't want to presume that the women who don't reach orgasm, of which are a large number of women, don't have any level of satisfaction during um, their time of having sex with their partners. So what is it that makes up this this intimacy? You're right. So there will be different kinds of or different types of anorgasmia where you have difficulty having an orgasm or reaching an orgasm. So there will be maybe primary where you've never ever had an orgasm and most people will fall into a secondary where you've had an orgasm but you have difficulty being consistent and that may be for, for different reasons. So maybe you can actually have an orgasm when you're on your own or you're masturbating. Uh, maybe you can have an orgasm when the kids are not around or when you're not you know, in company, where you're not under a roof where someone is in close proximity and you're afraid they can hear you. So, you know, it, it, that would be situational. So there are different reasons and there are different times. It could also be as a result of um, a rare medical condition, like it could be multiple sclerosis. It could be that you're on certain medications, like blood pressure medications or antidepressants. And that would need, and this is why we would say, visit your healthcare provider. So if you're seeing, if you're seeking a psychological help, that's fine. And if they will refer you, depending on how they assess the situation, they might refer you to your medical doctor. Or if you're going directly to a sexual health therapist and they'll decide whether they can pursue that treatment or management and then whether they need to refer you for the psychological assistance. You might need to switch up medication. That will be, you know, that will assess, uh, assist you in reaching your orgasm. So it's not as if, you know, women just don't have orgasms at all. There's another element here that we need to talk about. It's that the idea is, you know, that the orgasm has to be during penetration. Because this is what we're talking about. This resource speaks about orgasm reliably during penetration. And the idea that you can orgasm through different ways, uh, through stimulation of different body parts. So a nipple orgasm, a clitoral orgasm. You can actually orgasm, Patricia, without being touched completely, without any touch. So, so how is this orgasm coming about? What, what triggers it? Sounds so, interesting. You know, the mind is the most erotic part of the body. People are always talking about, you know, how their breasts look or whether their shoulder and hip, you know, is it ratio is, is, is correct or but there are certain idea of how a woman's body should be shaped. All of these things and the size of your booty or the size of your thighs. But the mind is the most erotic part of the body. So how you perceive yourself, how comfortable you are with yourself, how comfortable you are with, with, um, with pleasure, you know, with seeing yourself as a pleasurable, pleasurable being, someone who can experience pleasure. So this will entail some breath work, you know, focusing on something pleasurable, reaching certain um, points in your mind, 
uh, being able to feel that energy move through your body, through different parts of your body, and monitoring the breath work as you go along. And you can actually receive or have an orgasm, experience an orgasm without being touched. But it entails a lot of self-awareness and being able to be free, having, you know, getting rid of the shame and the guilt and the negative body image and the embarrassment, all of the years of mental conditioning, so all of that. If you get rid of all of that, you're able to have an orgasm even without being touched. And, you know, if you put that aside, if we talk about other ways of having an orgasm, like clitoral stimulation, and most women do orgasm reliably with clitoral stimulation, Unfortunately, it appears that a lot of men still don't know where the clitoris is. My babo, is that real? <laughs> that is very true. Oh, a lot of men apparently still don't know where the clitoris is. And then other men who may know where it is don't know the kind of pressure that it takes for that particular woman to, re- to reach that clitoral orgasm. So... They may try a technique that worked with a previous partner, doesn't work with this partner. And the thing about the clitoris is when it gets overstimulated, it can become painful. So beyond that, no matter how much you may want to, you're not going to have that orgasm. All right, Doc, Doc, before you, you even go into the techniques and the stimulation required, can you help the men who don't know where clitoris is find it geologic, uh, geographically. Like, geographically. Please tell them where it is. It's not inside. No, no, it's not inside. It's on top. It's on top. It's not inside. It's on top. So it's where the, the inner labia meets at the top, at the apex. There's a little hood over it, and that is the clitoris. The clitoral hood and the clitoris. It's a little bulb, kind of. Um, so, yeah, it's, you, you can't miss it. You really can't miss it. So I don't understand how men apparently still do miss it. And some men think it needs a lot of very firm and hard pressure, not realizing that some women will just not have that orgasm with the firm pressure, so it needs a very light touch. And that requires communication. To be able to say that this works for me and this doesn't work for me, or I want to try this, or this has worked for me previously, you know, um, to be able to say that safely. And safety is another way, surefire way, of a woman reaching an orgasm. So when a woman um, orgasms, you know, there are certain things that go on in the brain that basically requires a woman to have that sense of security and safety. So in terms of what would be a non-safe or a threatening situation. It can be something as simple as, you know, a woman thinking her baby's going to cry right now or the children in the room next door are going to hear her if she's too loud. That would be a threat. So it doesn't necessarily mean safety in the relationship itself. It could be any kind of outside external threat. Even something like, you know, what is my partner thinking of me right now? That would be tied to your understandings of your body, your, your self-confidence, your body image, whether it's a positive or negative body image. So if you're thinking, uh, I wonder what he's thinking right now. How does my booty look like this? Or when I'm in this position, you know, how do I, how do I appear? 
um, you know, can he see my my stomach rolls, or can he see my cellulite? That kind of thing. So if you're thinking those kind of things, if you look at the sexual response for or the way you reach an orgasm for a man, it's pretty much linear. So if there are certain steps that would reach to an orgasm, once it's kind of initiated in a man, it almost always inevitably can reach, you know, can end or result in an orgasm. But for a woman, somewhere in between, if something goes off, everything shuts down. So it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen until they feel safe again, until they feel comfortable again and aroused enough and desirable enough and desired enough to reach that point again. So it can be very tricky. Mm-hmm. All I have to say to the ladies is relax, ladies. Please Absolutely. relax. Uh, the, I don't. I, I've never heard of a man saying, "Oh, I saw cellulite during sex," or "Oh, the her inner no, thighs were care. too dark," or "Oh, her, bo- her booty was jiggling." Guys just don't care. They're in it to win it. Now we get in it and win it. Dr. Khan, let me go to some of our A-teamers' messages. Uh, this one is a question. I think you've answered it, but let, let's go to it again. It says, the in- is inability to experience sexual orgasm treatable? And what are the forms of um, intervention? For example, uh, physical, psychological, or medication? This is from Malo Semonene, who's in Gromkloff in uh, Bakenberg. Malosa, thank you so much for that question. Yes, it depends on what the reason behind it is. So if the reason would be something medical, you would be managing and treating that medical condition. If it is a result of your medication, then your doctor will decide, uh, you know, depending on the priority. So if if the orgasm is the priority for you, then you will relay that to your doctor and they will decide how they can switch up your medication so that, it doesn't interfere with your hormones and vaginal lubrication, and that helps you to reach your orgasm. If it's psychological, you will decide, may decide to see a psychologist or a counselor, and they will help you with certain therapies, so like cognitive behavioral therapy, and that will be your your uh, way, your method of reaching your orgasm. So it will be, you know, changing ideas and behavior. It depends if it's a um, if it's a couple you know if it's a couple dynamics you might go in for couple counseling not just yourself alone it might be certain lifestyle changes it could be that you need hormonal therapy so you really need to see your particular doctor whom you are comfortable with and they will address it the correct way forward. Let me go to an A-teamer who's been patiently holding for us, uh, Donald in Mpumalanga. Good evening, Donald. Please switch off your radio. Good evening, good evening ladies. Donald, I'm going to ask yeah, you to good evening, switch ladies. off your radio. Hello, good evening, ladies. We can hear you loud and clearly, Donald. Good evening. Well, I've got a question here. One is, since the faking of um, an orgasm is prevalent in um, society, what is the difference between, uh, I mean, in fact, what is the difference between the male uh, orgasm? Okay, fine. What is the female orgasm, basically? What does it involve? Because with us men, it's simple. You go through ejaculation, 
you inject a semen, that's it. With women, it is quite rather murky and unclear. So what does it really it involve? Is squirting part of it? Because I've seen this thing quite a lot in pornography where these actors will, will pretend like they're experiencing orgasm through squirting. Apparently, that is not even the real thing. So I'm really curious to find out if what is the female orgasm? What does it involve, basically? Or are there, are there different types of it? And how true is the notion that there are two types of orgasm? One is achieved through the G-spot, which is situated at the entry point. The other one through the A-spot, which is deeper into the vaginal canal. So, I mean, so basically... Uh, is that true as well? And yeah, what is the female orgasm in the nutshell? That's what I'm trying to um, get at. All right, Donald, I'm getting you. You don't want to be robbed again. You want to be able to be, uh, you know, detective and be able to know whether this is fake or this is real. But I want to be absolutely sure. <laughs> all right, guy, listen up on the radio. Thanks, Atima. Okay, thanks a lot. Dr. Thanks Khan. Firstly, Donald, I have news for you. Ejaculation does not mean orgasm in men. Orgasm and ejaculation are two separate things in men, too. So just because you're ejaculating does not mean you've had an orgasm. An orgasm is a feeling of intense pleasure that happens during sexual activity. In a woman, it brings about rhythmic contractions of the vaginal canal and the muscles around it. So a woman knows she's having an orgasm. One of the ways, you know, you, you feel that tightening around, a man would feel tightening around the penis when the muscles contract, when the vaginal wall contracts. So that would be the, the orgasm in a woman. Another correction, there are definitely more than two types of orgasms. We've just already mentioned the one where, like a hypno, you know, sex or psychosex, where you don't actually have to be touched to have an orgasm. Then nipple stimulation. You can have a nipplegasm, then clitoral stimulation can lead to a clitoral orgasm. So there are definitely many ways of having an orgasm. Um, the clitoral stimulation does not only need to be manual where you touch with the finger, it can also be through oral sex. So there are definitely more than two ways of a woman having an orgasm. And I think I've covered most of your questions or your, you know, your queries. And the last one you spoke about squirting and porn. You know, the jury is out about squirting. Many many studies have actually shown that squirting is actually urine, and that makes a lot of sense too. There are different ways to establish whether it actually is urine or whether it is a gush of vaginal fluid. And I don't think that that really matters. The amount of fluid that a woman, um, you know, excretes or, or, or secretes uh, during during uh, intercourse or when she reaches orgasm. I, don't, I really don't think that matters. I think what matters is that she's having the maximum amount of pleasure that she can have without pain. Because for some women, for example, women who have endometriosis, having an orgasm actually leads to a lot of pain. It causes a lot of pain around the abdominal area afterward. So they would prefer to maybe have pleasure without the orgasm. So, yeah, I think I've covered all of those queries. 
Well, one thing to note for our A-team there, Donald, uh, is that uh, if it's not contracting rhythmically, then it's not an orgasm. Full stop. <laughs> That's what I got from Doc. Uh, this one is from Anonymous. It says, good evening, Doc, and uh, to you, Patricia. I would like to know and understand why or what I should do if I don't enjoy sex at all. This became a serious problem for me. So, you know, um, thank you so much for this question. And it's perfectly okay to not enjoy sex at all. You know, and then you've got to just establish whether there is sexual desire or no sexual desire. So there are a lot of people who are asexual and they actually don't feel any desire, but they may be pressured into be into being sexual relationships. So uh, into being in sexual sexual relationships because maybe they have some kind of romantic attachment to the person, and most relationships go that way in terms of you know romance then leads to some kind of physical activity. And there's some kind of trade-off. So you're deciding, like, you know, uh, I need to be with this person or I want to be with this person because I have this level of comfort with this person and I feel so safe or I feel wonderful and they bring out the best in me. I really see myself uh, with this person for a long, you know, long, in the long term or for the rest of my life. And so you make that decision that I can bear having the sex in exchange for the rest of the parts of the relationship. But you might not actually feel desire or feel any, uh, you know, satisfaction in having the sex. So I think it comes down to, to establishing and just, you know, just figuring out what is it. Is there any sexual desire at all? And is that sexual desire uh, for people of the same? So whether if you're a woman and are you feeling sexual desire for men, are you have do you have any sexual feelings for women? Are there no sexual feelings at all? Is that uh, you know? So do you have sexual feelings, but it's not in the relationship, or if during intercourse itself you're not feeling satisfied? I think just establishing, you know, the just like figuring out the dynamics there, and to understand that you're not broken, to understand that it's okay even if you don't have sexual desire at all or if you cannot enjoy sexual intercourse, to understand that that is okay too and to be kind with yourself about that and not to be too hard on yourself. And that's, that is pretty normal. So uh, Donald in Rustenburg says, um, good evening, Patricia, and all A-teamers. It's like many ladies are starving out there and others cannot express their satisfaction because of their rooms. They're afraid of being heard by neighbors. Well, yeah, <laughs> Doc did to touch on that one, that the fear of who's going to hear you or not does sometimes hamper on that. This one is uh, from an anonymous saying, hi, Pat and uh, the Doc. My partner once tried to fake it once. I told her right away to stop it, and she asked how did I know she was faking. I didn't tell her it was my secret. Her usual body vibration and the wetness down there, I do feel it if she orgasmed or not. She never faked again. Instead, she would communicate if she wanted me to stop over or rather than faking. So, yeah, some guys know the secret. <laughs> Clearly, the secret is out. And other guys are able to say to their partners, please don't fake it on me, because they're in tune with their partner's bodies. I think that's brilliant. And, you know, obviously the world needs more men like that out there in terms of creating that safe space 
for women to be themselves. And obviously, you know, her need or the reason behind faking it comes from something. And a lot of it comes from this idea and this need that we have to perform. It comes from ideas that maybe we're taking too long to orgasm. So, you know, you watch porn or you hear about stuff, you hear stories, and men, you know, men, there are different ideas around sex. First, you have ideas that men want to last all night long. But within that lasting all night long, they also have ideas that during that time, women must orgasm multiple times. And, you know, there's this idea, there's this pressure to perform, there's pressure to orgasm, and there's this pressure to orgasm quickly and to orgasm multiple times. And that itself is enough stress to not orgasm at all. So if you feel like you're being compared to a previous partner or you're being compared to something someone has watched, uh, you know, whether it was in a movie or in porn, or if you feel like this is how it's supposed to be because every time you watch a movie and a sex scene comes up, that's exactly how a woman reacts. You know, she makes a certain kind of noise, her body moves in a certain kind of way, and so I'll just do that, and that means the act is over. Because you start to internalize, you know, messages. So you think, maybe there's something wrong with me, but you don't realize that maybe you've not been stimulated enough to reach the orgasm. So maybe you need more stimulation, or stimulation different from the one that you already have or are experiencing. And those are reasons why women might just decide to fake it. Maybe it's just not good, and you'd rather pretend and they be over with than tell the person that it's just not good at that moment. Let's go to a quick break, uh, Doc, and uh, sure. we'll go to the messages from our A-team as it seems like this faking thing uh, is, is very prevalent. Let's stop faking. Let's be real. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. Please do remember no one under the age of 18 should be tuned in right now as we round off the remainder of this beautiful day. Um, yes, with many challenges, but yes, the day is still beautiful. A um, couple of minutes left with Dr. Khan. Dr. Khan, I'm going to read this message to you, okay? This one says, hey, this Pat, even men, it happens to them too. So this is uh, the issue of not reaching orgasm. So as you lose an erection due to a woman who complains too much and expects a long-lasting sex. But on calm and collected ladies, I kick her to satisfaction multiple times, making her feel like swimming in heaven. This is from Andres in Quatro. And then Naledi in Soweto. Oh, no, no, no. In fact, it's Miss N who is in Naledi in Soweto. Miss N says... Um, wow, what an interesting conversation. This is as... The uh, um, thing is, as people, we not yet... Um reached a level of sexual liberation. We only believe that penetration is the only way to reach an O. Touch plays an important role. I like what the doc said. Most men don't know, let alone understand what their partner's needs are. Lust is another thing that kills the intimacy. And if we could explore an adventure with other partners, if we can learn to relax, let's stop being in love with the idea of being in love, but let's truly love and adore our partners. I like this from Miss N. What do you think, Doc? 
Absolutely. I've mm. got two comments, right? So the one is for the previous one. Um, I kind of disagree with the idea of blaming the partner for you not reaching an orgasm, unless it's blatant that the partner is the reason. So the idea is, you know, of a man not reaching the orgasm because the woman's complaining or whatever. Uh, you know, that's how I feel about it, man. <laughs> so... Um, I, I try not to, you know, I, I tell patients and I tell friends who chat with me about this because I often have friends who informally chat with me. In fact, my mom calls me to ask me what's the topic today. Wow, you know, mom so is listening. Mom's listening. She's definitely <laughs> Hi, mom. listening. Mom is 68 and mom's listening. So, um, yeah. So, you know, this idea of blaming, I think that we've got to firstly take responsibility ourselves for ourselves before we blame partners, right? So let's not blame. Um, and with regard to love, you know, as much as I love the idea of love, I think that a lot of relationships don't start off with love. And the sex might come before the love. So what do we do then? And for a lot of women, the love might come before it comes for the men, you know. So that then requires a lot of mindfulness. So you may not really feel in love, but you have to care and respect, you know. So that, you know, you, so you there must be respect in the relationship. There would be obviously care when there's respect. And you'd make a conscious choice to be mindful, to not be a selfish lover, to make sure that your that your partner is enjoying the relationship with that specific, you know, the intimacy, the, the sexual moment, to make sure that they're enjoying themselves in that moment. That it's not just you. A lot of the time, women spend so much of time focusing on whether they are doing things right and whether they're pleasuring their partners, that they forget that they need to be pleasured too. And that's also another reason why women don't reach their orgasm, because they focus so much of time, you know, focus on pleasuring the partner, making sure that the partner reaches their orgasm and that the partner has the best sex of their lives, that they forget that they need to be pleasured. And you know, so when we start focusing on ourselves and when we start, you know, having that, that relationship with ourselves, that self-relationship is so, so important. Then we're able to have a better relationship with our partner. And that's what everyone wants to aim uh, at, uh, having a better relationship with your partner. Dr. Khan, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Mom, for listening in and supporting us. Um, how do we get in touch with you? It's zero seven nine three eight zero eight four four nine, and it's at Dr. Maryam B. Khan on Instagram, and it's the same on Facebook. Thank you so very much. Until we chat next time, please keep safe. You too. Take care. A-teamers, that runs off uh, the end of uh, the day uh, for us in the end of the week. Uh, we are going to um, be together again on Monday. And please do remember, listen to us under bed at 3 a.m. Wake up and start your day in a beautiful way with Sound Awake. We're going to be able to play just a little bit of the song by Sankomota, led by the village pope. Uh, may his soul rest in peace. Bagobeleza. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.